Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Uh, As you can hear, I'm still a little bit husky, although not as much as last week. So I will be keeping this short and sweet again. I think it's uh, not helped... One, now the cold has gone and my asthma and the temperature change is all not helping and having a very talky week uh, with teaching and delivering workshops and that kind of thing. So yeah, still a bit croaky, Um, but I'm here as always to bring you this episode. So first, before we dive into today's conversation, I want to say a massive thank you to Melissa who joined us last week. I really enjoyed the conversation and hope you did as well. And today we are joined by Teresa. So I really hope you enjoyed this conversation too. And yeah, let's just dive in, shall we? Hi everyone, and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest to the podcast. So Teresa, welcome. Thank you for joining us. And if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi Hannah, thank you so much for having me as your guest. I'm glad to be here. I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic, and I'm also a mental health warrior who is recovering from anxiety and depression. And I spent a lot of my life abusing myself, not realizing I was abusing myself by not looking after myself physically, mentally, or emotionally. I had absolutely no idea what self-care was, what it meant, what self-compassion was, And I struggled a lot, even after I got into addictions recovery, when I stopped using alcohol and drugs to numb myself, I still spent a couple of decades abusing myself, not eating properly, if at all, not sleeping, um, people pleasing. I didn't realize that people pleasing could be a form of self-abuse because you're putting others first all the time and yourself last and not meeting your needs. And it was when uh, I, I hit kind of a bottom with my health. I, I, had, um, I had some health issues and my doctor basically just told me, you know what, at your stage in life and with your high stress and your family history, you're a prime candidate for a heart attack. And uh, that really scared me into changing my lifestyle. Because prior to that, I thought, you know what, I really don't matter. My kids matter. They need to come first. Um, I didn't realize that if I am an empty cup, I have nothing to pour into other people. So I was constantly burnt out and exhausted. And when the doctor told me this, it really made me sit up and want to change my lifestyle. And so I did change my lifestyle. Things got much better. and. Then uh, a loved one attempted suicide and started abusing substances. And then I hit another rock bottom, an emotional rock bottom. And uh, I spent a lot of time trying to get help from my loved one. My loved one didn't want the help. And I had to accept that. 
But I did a lot of research and I started attending a lot of caregivers meetings. And I started learning a lot about anxiety and depression. And I went, oh my gosh, I have anxiety and I didn't even know it. I had anxiety my entire life and I suffered a lot and I didn't even know I had anxiety. I thought probably this was just the way life was or maybe everybody had this. So when I discovered that, it was a light bulb moment for me. And uh, I finally was able to take proper care of myself in all respects, mentally, physically, emotionally. And that was really a turning point in my life. So it's amazing how sometimes a crisis can push us into learning something new or push us into something better. I find, I find with me, I'm trying to change, but with me, it's always been a crisis that has forced me to move ahead because I always had a lot of fear about moving ahead. And I, all, I always had a lot of limiting beliefs as well that I also have taken a look at and am in the process of changing. Sounds like they're also, they're like a catalyst. That is that yes. big, big thing. And then that's, you know, because I think sometimes we can often have the limiting beliefs or we can kind of want to change but we have this really weird relationship with change that is also terrifying so we don't want to change yes. we do want to we do but we don't and so sometimes it takes something massive to give us that shove like yes <laughs> we need to that's literally what it feels like it feels like a shove and that's the way a lot of my life has been so um there's always been good that came out of everything even in the darkest situations, there has always been some kind of good that came out of it. And it always forced me to move to a new place in life that was better than the previous place. I'd love to um, to dive more into kind of your story and your, your journey to kind of get to a more positive place. But first, I'd, I'd love to um, talk to you about the, the language you use to talk about your experience, because I've spoken with people who have had substance use um, in their sort of experience who don't like the word abuse. And you also you talk about self-abuse and you call yourself mm-hmm. a mental health warrior. So really, it's just, you know, the, the language that you use to describe your experience and the impact that has. I wonder if you've got some thoughts uh, around that. Um. I do believe language is important. I use the word abuse a lot simply because that's what I've been used to saying for a couple of decades now. I think there could probably be a more positive word for it, but I haven't, I haven't, um, I haven't given it a lot of thought, to be honest. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, mental health warrior. I think that we're all warriors. I think everybody on this planet is a warrior of some kind because everybody's facing some kind of struggle that they need to get through. And uh, I think a lot of times we don't give ourselves enough credit. I know there were many times in my life I'd, I'd come through an experience and I think, well, that was no big deal. And I think I'm not sure what it's like for men, but I think for women, we often discredit ourselves and we don't, um, we don't like to uh, blow our own horn for lack of a better word. And uh, I found that it was time to stop discrediting myself. And, and because if I discredit myself in a way, I'm discrediting other people as well. If someone's been through the same thing, I think, uh, I think it's important to acknowledge what we've been through 
and uh, the fact that we are strong and we are survivors. And we live in a world that's achievement-based and external-based and uh, tangible things like what kind of car do you drive? What kind of house do you live in? And really these things don't matter. What matters is the fact that we are strong and we've all come through something. And everyday life can be a struggle at times. I know when I've been in deep in depression, it's been a struggle just to get up and go to work. And I had to say to myself, yeah, I made it through another day. I made it into work today. I did my job. And uh, I also realized as well, my daughter struggles with anxiety and depression. And uh, I realized as well, every day that she could get up and go to school was a major win for her. And I started viewing things through that lens because of her struggles. Um, I'm not glad that she's gone through them, but I just, I learned so much about how to be kind to people and to be aware that we're all struggling with something and often we hide it. I, I became very good at hiding my struggles and telling everybody, I'm fine, I'm fine. And really I wasn't fine. Uh, and I really had a hard time being vulnerable with people. And I think that contributed to my struggles as well, because I worked so hard to put up a facade and to act like everything was fine. And I didn't, you know, I, I don't need help, but thanks for offering. I really should have accepted help at times. And uh, that's one thing that I've learned to do is when I really need help, I've learned to accept it. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard yeah. to do. And yeah, having that, putting on that mask, it's so draining. I know I had um, a period of time and I feel like it's something I've often done with my own experience with depression and anxiety, but mm -hmm. one particularly low uh, depression and I was getting up and I was going to work and I felt like I was doing a good job of masking it, but apparently I was, yeah. like, a I was like a robot, <laughs> apparently. But to me, I've been I was there like, too, yeah, yeah, when I shut down. Yeah, like I felt like I was, you know, and I was trying. But actually, it was not the most effective masking. But yeah, so, so draining to, to try and put on yeah. that, that facade. So you've been on this long journey and lots of these, you know, big events that have, have been um, kind of pushing you forward and, and, and turning points. And how, how do you go from, you know, the, the place where you feel like you're, you know, abusing yourself and not looking after yourself? to make that transition to, to be in a better place with yourself and be doing the self-care? For me, it took a long time. Uh, it started, I, I started going to Alcoholics Anonymous uh, when I stopped drinking. And it was in AA that I learned about um, just learning to take better care of myself, learning to set boundaries with people. And when I first started saying no to people, I used to feel so guilty. I felt, and I could say no, but it would, for days afterwards, I would feel guilty. And I would think, do they hate me because I said no? And it was a lot of emotional turmoil that I went through. And for me, a lot of it was practice. When I set boundaries, it, it was practice. And as time went on, I realized that it's okay to set boundaries. I grew up not learning how to set boundaries. We didn't really have boundaries in my family, so we didn't respect other people's. And 
it was just practice, practice, practice. And as I developed a better relationship with myself, I also developed a better relationship with other people. And I also had to take a look at why I felt so fearful of conflict or fearful of boundary setting. And I realized there was a lot of violence in my past. So in the back of my mind, I, I always carried that with me. And my brain was always saying, avoid conflict, avoid violence, blah, blah, blah. And then I had to realize, you know what, I'm setting a boundary with this person in the workplace. They're not going to hit me. They're not going to run me down in the parking lot. It's okay. I don't need to be afraid. And if they're annoyed with me, they're annoyed with me. It's not the end of the world. So I had to start practicing those types of uh, those types of things. And I also had to practice looking at things the way they really are. Like the example I just gave, I'm not in that violent relationship anymore. I'm not in a back alley somewhere. I'm in the workplace or wherever I happen to be. And uh, the chances of the person getting violent with me, like that incident that happened 20 years ago or whatever, are slim to none. So it's really helpful for me to ground myself and look at where I am and look at the facts instead of attaching meaning to what I think is happening. I imagine it's really useful to kind of know the the experience that's leading to that sort of default because actually as you were talking about that when you first sort of said about uh, avoiding conflict and trouble mm. with boundaries I was like me too me too but mine comes from a different place um a, a kind of um more I think a fear of abandonment and being feeling unlovable and so it's not okay violence that's triggering it but it's that well if I get into conflict or if I enforce boundaries then people might not like me or might that there's something in me that's not likable and that that will have that trigger so it's a kind of similar um resistance to something or fear of something but coming from a different place yes so, um yeah so it's it's interesting is that kind of knowing this is where it's coming from and then being able to look at it and I guess for me they might not like me if I enforce a boundary but then it's going does that <laughs> does it matter yeah. and uh sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't so yeah yeah and I learned to be my own best friend that was a huge turning point for me as well. Uh, like you, I also had fear of abandonment and fear of people not liking me. And uh, then I just realized one day, I need to be my own best friend. I'm the only one that's going to be with me 24 hours a day for the rest of my life. So I need to learn to like myself. And I needed to get to know myself because for so many years, I tried to be what other people wanted me to be, or I would pretend I liked what other people liked. And it reached a point where I didn't even know what I liked anymore. If somebody asked me what my favorite color was, I didn't even know. So I took the time to find these things out about myself. And it didn't happen overnight. It's been a lifelong process. But in learning who I am, uh, I no longer have to listen to people tell me who I am. So for example, somebody would say, you're stupid. I would believe them and I would give them that power, but I didn't know who I was. And when you don't know who you are, then you believe what people tell you, especially the negative. I found it so easy to believe the negative. And I read somewhere that for every 
negative comment, it takes 10 positive comments or something like that to counterbalance the negative comment. So I can see why a lot of people are struggling. Yeah, absolutely. I there well, lots of things popped into my head, but one of the things popped into my head is like this uh, thing a teacher apparently did. They wrote up like some sums on the board, and the first one was wrong, but the other nine like times tables were right, and they're all like, "Ha ha, you got the first one wrong." It's like it was interesting. You picked up on the one mistake and not the fact that I yeah. got nine of them correct, because yeah, we do default. And I wonder if if we're holding lots of our own negativity towards ourselves, if someone says something negative, then it kind of agrees with what we already. Yes. think or believe whereas if they say something positive and I don't know if you've experienced this I definitely have where someone is positive sometimes it's really jarring because it doesn't match how you feel and then you're like well yes. what's wrong with you because <laughs> yeah I used to get yeah. confused if yeah. somebody said something positive and I'd be thinking are they talking about me they can't be talking about me and uh, I I had imposter syndrome for I still sometimes have it I think everybody does to an extent, maybe, but I, I, what you were saying about somebody making a positive comment, it used to literally confuse me. And then I would feel like I had to explain myself to them. Or I, if someone complimented me on my outfit, I would have to make some kind of negative comment to it. Yeah. 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 This old thing, this was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we minimize. I think that's a, it can be a really difficult thing, can't it? I think for me, trying to just go, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and it not practice too, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. But I love that you said that it's something that you still experience at times because I definitely, you know, I'm on my own sort of, and it sounds like a lot of things are kind of similar with things I've worked with um, and working through. And I talk about trying to be my own like best friend uh, as well yeah um, and I have some people that will come on and they'll talk about their journey but almost like a that's all done <laughs> like I am completely yeah yeah I'm completely sorted now I've got it and and I think that you know with life there will be things that come up won't they and they'll kind of you know um trip you up a little bit and you can kind of default back to things. yes and and I think it's really powerful to hear that yes that happens but you don't have to go back there you can kind of get back on track yeah quicker than quicker than I used to for sure at one time in my life a negative comment would set me back for weeks and I would just dwell on it constantly and uh, over the years I've learned to just um, think okay well that's that's how they feel that's how they feel that's how they feel and sometimes it's constructive criticism Sometimes I've learned from it. Whereas at another time in my life, I would just be hurt. And all I could feel was the hurt and not see the value in the comment. So I've really had to sometimes step out of my emotions and try to look at things objectively and just look at the facts and think, okay, well, this is what's happening. Uh, she She didn't insult me. Um, I just took it that way. What she said was this, I have to write down the facts strictly as they happened and not attach meaning to them. And a big one is social media and uh, the comparison that goes on. And uh, I can do it without even thinking about it. And it just happens. 
And uh, I would see a picture like of my friend and she would be in a canoe at her family's cabin or whatever. And then I would start thinking, oh, look, she's canoeing. I wish I could do that. Oh, but I can't. Oh, she has such a perfect life. She has such a perfect husband. Her kids are so perfect. Their grades are so good. Her dog poops out lollipops. Everything's wonderful. But then really, it's just a picture of her in a canoe. You know what I mean? I just, I can look and say, oh, there's my friend in a canoe. I don't have to make up this entire story around her life that probably isn't true. It's me projecting what I want sometimes onto the picture. So I really need to be aware of that. Yeah, I think it's, it's so easy to do, isn't it? To, um, to compare ourselves. And it's something I've been trying to when I when I have those kind of feelings come up of um, and I had a guest on and we talked about how it's envy not jealousy it's kind of mm-hmm. something and you're like oh there's something that I want that is in this picture is in this and and trying to go kind of what is it and if they're, yes. they're out canoeing it's because I want to be out canoeing and yes why don't I go out canoeing you know because sometimes it's that you just like sat at home thinking oh, I wish I could do that but I can't and sometimes maybe you can you just gotta yeah I've recently got a stand-up paddleboard which is something I love and I oh I, yeah and I sit on it because I like kayaking as well so yeah yeah kind of like a, a bit of both because I was sort of seeing friends who had them and like oh I wish I had that they've got camper vans and they go yeah there. yeah and it's like well I can get a paddleboard and I can go to a lake or a you know a river why can't I do that that must be fun yeah it is. I, to be honest, I've had it a couple of weeks of it. I've only been out on it twice, but next week I'm hopefully going out on it again. So it's kind of rather than just sitting and being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it takes courage to learn a new skill too. Well, I, I've done it before. It's just I, 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 a big story that I've told myself about I can't afford it or, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And actually going, okay, I'm, I'm going to go for it. And then. I, I can find time and I can, you know, find people to go with. And actually what's lovely, social media, positive social media. Uh, mm-hmm. Near me, there are a few different groups. There's one, I love wild swimming. There's a group of people who meet to wild swim and there's one of people who will meet to stand up paddleboard. And so actually I went um, the week before last, I just sort of went, didn't know anyone turned up, but actually had a lovely evening. Nice. So, yeah, so rather than, you know, and again, a story, oh my God, I can't go and meet people that I've never met before and go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Why not? So I just kind of went for it and yeah. Good for you. And that's like the stepping outside of the emotions when, when you sit and ask yourself, okay, well, why can't I do this? Or how can I do this? Yeah. I found, I, I grew up with a lot of limited thinking and, uh, my big story often was, well, I can't afford this, or I don't have time. Whereas now I say, how can I find the time? Or how can I make the time? Or how can I find a way to afford this? Which is more empowering. I felt very disempowered and helpless for a lot of my life. And a lot of times we're just held down by our limiting beliefs. And when I started questioning my beliefs, I thought, where did I get this from? But I was told these things. I didn't, now I, now I question everything. I'm starting to question a lot of things that I've believed. And, and I, 
ask myself, okay, where did this come from? Is this true? And uh, I'm realizing I believed a narrative for a good part of my life that was simply not true. And I'm, I imagine that it has like a, a snowball effect that you start to question things as you start to, at the same time, if you're being more of a friend to yourself and you're looking after self-care and then you start to feel better about yourself and you start to maybe believe more things are possible for you. Mm. And then it just, you know, so maybe at the beginning it feels like, oh, it's all these things to think about and prioritize, but that actually it becomes easier because they're yes. all sort of, yeah, they're all working in the same direction. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a relief to find out you don't have to live with that narrative anymore, mm -hmm. that you can change. Yeah. A lot of times I, I would think, well, I'm in this situation and I can't change it. And sometimes we can't change everything, but we can change little parts of our situation. There's always something that can be tweaked or that we can do differently to make our lives better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could talk about this stuff all day. Um, but, uh, I have some set questions that I ask everyone that comes on. And before we move to those, I wonder if you have a, a final thought about life in general or something you've learned uh, through your life and your experiences that you'd like to share with us. I would like to say never give up hope. A lot of there are times that things seem hopeless, but I say never give up hope. Always keep on going for one more day. Always keep on trying. Always um, be your best friend, really. That's, uh, if there's one thing I could impart, it's a message of hope that things don't have to be hopeless and that you don't have to be helpless. And every problem has a solution. It may not be the solution we envision, but there is a solution. And uh, there were so many times I, I went through a period um, uh, with my loved one where I just felt so hopeless and uh, I just didn't want to live anymore. And uh, I had a responsibility to my family, so I wasn't going to act on my suicidal thoughts, but just having them, I just, I just, would go through life five minutes at a time. And I would just think, please God, just help me to hang on for five more minutes because it was so difficult. And uh, I'm glad that I did. So I just encourage people to reach out for help. If you're struggling, reach out for help. There's somebody somewhere that can help you. And if you don't get help, the first time you reach out, keep reaching out until you get it. Because I used to think well, there's something like 7 billion people on this planet. There's got to be one person that can help me. So that's what I encourage people to do. Yeah, Amazing. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, so I have set questions to ask everyone, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on these. Um, and the first one is, what brings you joy in your life? What brings me joy is connecting with other people. Uh, we live in, I think we live in a world of disconnection. I think we live in a world that fosters competition between people and trying to be better than other people or keep up with the Joneses. And that way of life fosters disconnection instead of connection. And I love connection. That's, that's what makes me, that's one of the things that makes me feel alive is when I'm connecting with another person 
and I feel I can understand them or we can understand each other on some level. And I love listening to people because everybody wants to be heard and everybody wants to be seen. So when, uh, when I'm listening to somebody and I know they feel heard, that brings me joy. That makes me happy. Amazing. And my next question is sometimes similar, sometimes not. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, what makes life meaningful for you? Uh, what makes life meaningful for me is it actually ties in with the previous question is helping other people, listening to other people, uh, holding space for them, helping them to feel seen and heard. And I like to feel seen and heard myself. I, I also enjoy when people listen to me and people can empathize with me. And uh, it's so important not to feel alone because we're really not alone, but my way of thinking sometimes tells me that I'm alone. And then my brain starts to look for evidence that I'm alone. So that's something that I really need to work against. I really need to fight my brain on that thought. And, and it brings me meaning to connect with other people. Amazing. Thank you. So, um, my, my next two questions are around our overarching topic on the podcast, which is mental wellness. Uh, so the first one is, what does mental wellness mean to you? To me, it means being comfortable in your own skin. We may not be comfortable 100% of the time, but it means being comfortable in your own skin and acknowledging your strengths and acknowledging areas that you may want to work on that have held you back in the past. But I think it's having a realistic assessment of yourself. And when I say realistic, I don't mean only the stuff you don't like. I, I think it means having compassion for yourself. I think it means uh, reminding yourself you're doing the best that you can at this possible moment. And it means connecting with others. And it doesn't have to be the whole world. It could be one other person. But I think that that pretty much sums up what mental wellness means to me. It doesn't necessarily mean a diagnosis or anything like that. I think it has to do with how comfortable you are in your own skin. And there's times that I'm not. There's times my mental wellness is better than at other times. It's not 100% all of the time. But I know that I feel the most well when I'm comfortable in my own skin. And then my follow-up, and I think you maybe hinted a little bit at some of the things um, in your previous answer, but I always ask as a follow-up what you do to look after your own mental well-being. One thing that I do is I make sure that I get enough sleep. Sleep was something that I struggled with for many years. I just, I didn't allow myself to get enough sleep because I felt that I had too much to do. And my time, I remember saying to somebody once, well, who has time to sleep? And it became so important for me to get enough sleep because I didn't realize it was impairing my brain function. I didn't realize that it was making me irritable and that I couldn't focus as well because I was so exhausted all the time. And I also make sure that I eat enough 
at one time I was into yo-yo dieting and I, I remember starving myself when I was young and I'm thinking, how did I do that? I couldn't go without food now, but I used to starve myself. And when I look back, I didn't look overweight, but I was convinced that I was 50 pounds overweight or whatever my ideal weight was at the time. And that I just had such a distorted perception of myself. So food, food is important, eating healthy food, eating protein. Um, and also I keep coming back to connection, but that's been so crucial for me just to feel like I'm part of the human race. And when I was going to AA meetings, I still do virtually, but that was the first time in my life I ever felt a sense of belonging or that I felt that anybody understood me or that I felt a connection with anybody else. And it made such a difference in my mental health. And I've been through periods where I wasn't going to meetings and I wasn't feeling connected to anybody. And my wellness really suffered really suffered because we're social beings and I believe we're created for connection. So those, those are three of the major things that I do. I also make a point to do things that I enjoy. I try to make room in my life for things that I, that bring me joy. And I love reading. I love my cat. Uh, I love house plants. I love being surrounded by life. I love the energy the house plants bring into my home. And I, I pray a lot. I'm a spiritual person and I believe in God. So I pray a lot. And that's been, that's been the key point, I think, in my wellness. Even if there's nobody to connect with, I can still connect with God. And God works 24-7. No vacations, no sick time. So prayer is something that I can turn to at any time and any place. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for sharing those and lots of, yeah. Um, I always love it when there's like practical things and actually things that you know, people could try and sleep. Um, anytime someone talks about sleep, it's always a reminder to me, I need to work on my sleep. And then I have the, <laughs> the urge to yawn. So I apologize yeah. for that. It's like <laughs> sleep and your brain's like, oh yes, we are tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny yeah. how that happens. Yeah. Um, so my next question is sometimes a bit of a challenge. So we will see. Uh, how would you describe your own mindset? When you say mindset, do you mean my daily thoughts or do you mean? It's uh, purposely vague, so <laughs> whatever okay. it means to you. Okay. I learned recently about a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And I would, at one time, my life was ruled by a fixed mindset, which was basically, I can't change anything. Um, I'm not... I can't change anything in my life. Life's not fair. I'm not responsible for my life. People are born with privileges I don't have. Whereas with a growth mindset, it's more constructive. What can I do to change this situation? If I'm uncomfortable, what can I do to make myself comfortable? If I need to know something, I'm capable of learning it. So I would describe it as a growth mindset because I believe that we're lifelong learners. And 
I have learned that the fixed mindset doesn't work for me. It left me feeling very helpless and very hopeless. So I would say a growth mindset, always, always being willing to learn, always being teachable, having compassion for others. Um, and I've learned there's no such thing as stupid. Unfortunately, there was a time in my life where I used to use that word quite frequently. And I applied it to people, places, things, ideas, concepts. And I've learned there's no such thing as stupid. And as I've learned more about trauma, I, I had heard of the fight or flight response, but I hadn't heard of the freeze response. So when I gave it some thought and I looked back on my life, I was able to have more compassion for myself because there were times I would think, oh, I should have spoken up and I didn't while I was in freeze response, or I should have done this to defend myself and it's my fault, but I was in freeze response. So understanding that has helped me have more compassion for myself, but for other people as well. Because if somebody's doing something that maybe doesn't make sense to me, maybe it makes sense to them. There's a reason that they're doing this or saying this, or maybe I haven't explained something clearly, or maybe this person is a different kind of learner that then I am, then the manner in which I'm teaching them. Or maybe this person is still living in their trauma and they're completely detached and dissociated from what's going on. There's, there's a million reasons. And I've learned that um, I don't have any business calling anybody anything, really. Um, there's times that I don't understand something and People may not react in a favorable way. And I, I, I explain myself to people and say, you know what? I've never been taught this. So why are you expecting me to know this? So it's enabled me to be kinder to myself, but also kinder to other people. And especially since COVID has hit, I understand there's a lot of people in distress and People are using substances maybe that didn't use them or abuse them before. And uh, everybody's just doing the best they can right now. So when another driver gives me the finger or something, I don't get angry. I just think, oh, he's having a bad day or whatever. You know what I mean? At one time, I used to be very feisty and want to get in there. Or I, I, I was very sarcastic. I was quick to respond with sarcasm. and. Uh, over the years, that's gone away, thankfully. But I understand everybody's just doing the best they know how. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's I not judge. my sorry, go ahead. And then I Karen. It's it's not my business to judge someone else's trauma. Mm. You yeah. know, something that might not affect me may affect them differently. And obviously it is affecting them and it is a big deal to them. So who am I to compare somebody else's trauma to mine or vice versa? There's times I've heard people's stories and I thought, wow, they've been through way worse than I have. Why do I feel bad? But we feel what we feel. And I've learned I have no business comparing traumas. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am with drivers now. I try and be like, 
have a nice day yeah have a good day (laughs) Um, but I still am very sarcastic but I think that is also the British humor quite (laughs) so um yeah um thank you so much um for for sharing your thoughts around that my next question is one of my favorites to ask um so I always ask everyone that comes on to leave us with between one and three top tips kind of practical tips of things that we could try in our lives that could have a massive impact so do you have a top one to three things that you'd recommend that we try? Sure. Uh, a big thing for me is breath work, deep breathing. For many years, I was in fight or flight response and I didn't even know it. Uh, so my breathing was very shallow and it was uh, stimulating my fight or flight response even more. And I wasn't getting enough oxygen. So I learned to do deep breathing. I learned box breathing and That's where you breathe in slowly for four, count of four. Then you hold it for count of four. Then you exhale for count of four. And then you have your lungs dormant for count of four. And that was a big game changer for me when I learned how to do that because I could shut down my fight or flight response and I could calm myself instead of going full on into a panic attack. And uh, something else I learned that was helpful, I actually learned this at a caregiver's conference, was it's called the mammalian dive response. And basically, it's splashing water on your face or applying a cold, wet compress to your face when you're in a panic attack, because it also shuts down the fight or flight response and calms you down. And, And it works. It's something very practical that I found really does work with me. So it's something I tell as many people I can about because I didn't know that before. For me, it was rocket science. Some people may know that already, but I didn't. So that was a huge game changer for me. And and I would also go back to my story about the social media, just looking at the facts, just saying, and then this happened, and then this happened. Instead of attaching a story to everything or attaching meaning to everything, because often my brain can come from a place of rejection. So if I see somebody and maybe they're distant with me, my brain can automatically go into, oh, she's mad at me. Oh, she doesn't like me anymore. Uh, I can attach all kinds of stories to it and get bent out of shape only to find out Like a week later, she had just found out that her husband was in a car accident and she was in shock. Meanwhile, I had made up this whole story in my head about how she doesn't like me anymore. And she was going through a crisis. So I I would say, if possible, try to step out of the emotion or out of the story and just write the facts down on a piece of paper. Because I find once they're written on a piece of paper, then I can see them more factually it's easier for me to leave the story out of it. And it's, it's helped me be calmer and not have as much turmoil and chaos in my head. So I hope that's helpful. It is, yeah, thank you so much for those. Uh, so my next question is a recommendation question. So I love to read, also a massive fan of TED Talks. So do you have a book or a TED Talk or something that's been really impactful in your life that you would recommend that we check out? One book that has been very impactful for me has been The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And it is heavy reading. 
I don't consider it light reading, but it validated a lot of what I've been through. And it really helped me to understand better how uh, trauma can manifest itself in our bodies. At one time, I thought trauma was something that happened to you and maybe it was stored somewhere, but it, it didn't have anything to do with your body. And uh, I learned that everything is connected. And I learned that that's where a lot of my anxiety uh, came from as well, through stored trauma. So that was very impactful. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great book. I, um, I listened to the audio uh, version of it, but yeah, definitely second that. Um, and so that brings me to my last question, Teresa, which is where people can connect with you um, online. Um, if you've got anything going on that you want people to know about, where can we find you? My Instagram account is Honoring Your Body. And I'm working on a book right now called Honor Your, Honoring Your Body, Honoring Yourself. And uh, the book is basically everything that I just talked about with you, but in more detail. And it's about how it's important to connect with our bodies in order to connect with the rest of the world. Because as long as I was disembodied and not connected with my body, I was, I was unaware of other people. I was unaware of other people's social cues and things like that because I was disconnected from myself. So it's called Honor Your Body, Honor Yourself. It's not out yet. It's soon to be published. And that's the name of my Instagram page, Honor Your Body. Awesome. Well, we'll absolutely link in the show notes so people can find you there. And uh, when this comes out, because we're normally a couple of months in advance, the book mm -hmm. may be out. Who knows? And if it is, then we'll let people know. But um, yeah, they can, I guess, follow you there and find out when it is, um, is released from you there. Thank you so much, Teresa, for, for joining me, for sharing your story and, and things that you've learned through your experience. Um, I really enjoyed it. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being such a gracious hostess. Oh, <laughs> thank you. So a massive thank you to Teresa. And I'm again going to keep it short and sweet and just let you know the ways that you can connect with me in the show if you want to get more involved, if you want to find out more, and if you are interested in being a guest on the show. So you can connect with us on social media. We are at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, although we tend to hang out more on Facebook and Instagram. And so you can message us there, tag us in posts or in stories. If you've listened, if you enjoyed the episode, we'd love to hear from you. And if you are interested in being a guest, the best thing to do is go to our website, www.psyche.co.uk, where there is all the information about the show. You can get the episode show notes, links to our guests and the stuff that they've got going on. If we've mentioned any books, all of that kind of information is there. Also, if you want to support the show and send a coffee, um, a coffee to, to me, then you can do that as well. Um, and I think also a link to our Patreon, which I probably should talk about more. But anyway, uh, it also has currently a link to a Google form that you can complete if you are interested in being a guest. So if you have got personal lived experience of mental health, mental well-being journey, we'd love to hear that. Or if you have a topic that you are passionate about talking about and sharing your wisdom then again, please fill it in. And in the new year, I'll be recording some new interviews. So very excited for that. 
Um, and again, if you've got suggestions of topics that you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like us to, to have on or try and have on, um, or just general feedback about the show, what you love, what could be better, then you can contact us via the website. Um, and I'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, I guess I should mention <laughs> that I do have uh, three spaces available for new coaching and support clients. So if you are someone who identifies as neurodiverse or thinks that you might be and also wanting to focus on your mental well-being, wanting to make sense of your life experience, of who you are, uh, figure out your superpowers, uh, strategies for managing challenges, whether that be in work, transitions, relationships, any of that kind of stuff, um, or you have a teen that uh, wants to focus on that kind of stuff. I work with adolescents and adults, and I love to get into that juicy identity stuff, and um, particularly that sort of intersection of neurodiversity and mental well-being and mental health is my jam. Uh, so if that sounds like you, if you're interested, it sounds so cheesy. If you're interested in working with me, uh, then head over to the website again, www.psyche.co.uk. It does need a little bit of a refresh and update, but you will find the information there. And as I said, I have three spaces available to work with me. So yes, that is now everything. I'm going to go rest my voice, have a cup of tea probably, um, and chill out. It's, uh, it's been a busy Saturday. I've done a lot of volunteering today, which I absolutely love. But uh, yeah, after I've finished editing this episode for your listening pleasure, I will be unwinding and chilling and um, doing a bit of self-care and possibly watching Strictly. But um, uh, yeah, have a good week. Massive thank you again to Teresa for joining us today. And I will see you next week. Um, until then, forgetting forgetting after what was this 178 179 episodes the usual sign off um so until next week when we meet again as always take care of yourself be kind to yourself and i'll speak to you soon bye for now 